You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who's the Deputy Chairman of Sassfin Securities in Johannesburg. David, we have to talk about one thing straight off, and that is Sassel. Because it says here, yeah. I'm not looking at a business site now, I'm looking at the Daily Maverick. It says here, Sassel fires executives to restore trust. What better way to restore trust, Daily Maverick goes on to say, than to fire your company's CEOs? Sassel thought so, at any rate, announcing the axing of Bongani Ngumababa, I think I'm saying that correctly, mm. and Stephen Cornell as part of their consequence management process. I don't know what that means, yeah. but anyway, Sassel went surging up today because everything is out, out the way now and people can get on with their lives as, as stakeholders and shareholders and Sassel executives. It's, it's an extraordinary Look, story to me, this, this Lake Charles rubbish. I, th- I think it's quite complicated, or it's quite complicated to um, try and assess what's going to happen next. I think they had to stand down, and I think the market wanted management to be responsible for the cost overruns. Lindsay, to start with Lake Charles, at the end it's going to cost them anywhere between $12.6 billion and $12.9 billion. That's according to dollars the results or that came. Dollars, okay. Now, if you convert it at the moment, at the present rate, it, that comes to 182 billion rand, um, where the market cap of Sassel is probably 188 billion thereabouts. You know, give a little bit either way. So the, the thing is that at 182 billion rand, their return is uh, sorry, the returns they're going to make is not going to match an investment of that size. Yes. So the market's already marking them down. In my mind, I'm trying to work out well, what in the market's mind are they valuing Lake Charles? Because you certainly can't value the rest of Sassel's project at $6 billion or $7 billion, you know what I mean, which mm. makes up that. So they, in their minds, investors have already marked down this, uh, you know, the Lake Charles project to almost half, maybe maybe $8 billion, which was the original um, estimates. Maybe we've, we've already marked it down to those kind of levels. And somewhere down the line, Sassel will actually mark it down in the balance sheet to those levels. But whatever you think, it's a, it's been a huge cost overrun and a huge waste of money. You know, they'll start making money now, but I mean, somebody has to pay for that, uh, you know, the $4 billion, um, overstatement or overspend. So management's responsible for that. You know, it's obviously a project. It'll take them a long well time managed. to get back to mm. 13 billion US dollars, even yeah, if they do start yeah, making money now. Yeah. But uh, no uh, one, you know, you, you know what? This is typical. If I if I'm here at Sassman sitting here and I write off a hundred thousand or two hundred or three hundred thousand rand, or I don't know, make a mess of that magnitude. Believe me, I get one kick in the bum, yes. and you know, uh, somewhere along the line, I will take, I will get, uh, you know, I will suffer the pain of that. Yeah, you can write to four billion or something and five billion, and yeah, you, know, you lose your job, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No one really really suffers other than the shareholders have suffered etc and uh it's it's wonderful to write off you know where you're not responsible to write off these huge amounts and it's something which we see all the time i mean it, it happens in corporations all the time so it's very easy to be gung-ho with shareholders money it's very interesting it's, it's interesting what you say because i was watching a piece i mean it was a satirical piece on u.s television uh, a couple of nights ago 
And this person said, you know, Kevin Spacey apparently behaved mm. inappropriately in a bar with a young man and touched the man's leg or his genitals or something like that in the bar and he lost his job and he's lost his career and it's all gone. Donald Trump can say in that <laughs> well-publicized and well-viewed audio recording, he said, I can yes. with impunity grab a woman by the genitals and yet he's still president of the United States. So it's one yeah, rule for one pe one person, one rule mm. for another. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to overcome that one. And, and, and somehow it's all been forgiven and forgotten. So, um, yeah. yeah. But I think, I think, I think when you come back to corporate, um, the amount when I go through this year, and maybe over the last year or two years, and I see the amount of money uh, management had written off. It's it's staggering, mm. with impunity, with impunity. You know, yes. at, uh, in many cases, uh, in many cases, management still linger. They're still there. They're still earning their big money. Still earning huge amounts. Um, and 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 you've got to question that. You know, you've got to question who's in charge. I think because the the boardroom becomes such a cozy place. And, Lindsay, there's another aspect of it. We don't have shareholders involved anymore. Activism doesn't exist simply because there's so many passive investors today, unit trusts or ETFs, et cetera, who just haven't got the, who just haven't got the energy or desire to actually take up those issues. So, uh, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to, who, was it only the, the two CEOs that were responsible, or was it the whole Sassel board? What about the chairman? What kind of what kind of uh, circuit breakers did they have in place, or what kind of uh, controls did they have in place to stop this getting out of hand? Mm. Uh, yeah. So the two managers stand up. Everybody else is there, and uh, you know it's life as, as as usual. So they fell on their sword. But I mean, you've got a board, and and Lindsay, it comes back to the same Steinoff issue. You've also got non-executives whom you appoint there to look at these things. So, <laughs> you know, what are they there for? Mm. <laughs> it's anyway, very true. Well, they're there so, for their 400000 a month, I suppose. Ex well, sure. So you've got to say, if these things can happen with non-executives, why the hell pay them? You know, why the hell have non-executives? Mm -hmm. So wherever we've gone, wherever, you know, all the corporate scandals of this year, or corporal write-offs from EOH to Steinoff to Blue Label, keep going. You know, the amount of money that is just shelled is money that has just been lost. And so, so, so where are all the controls, you know? Talk about that. Actually, before we go back to uh, corporate issues and the JSC and the market action today, David, there's a little bit of a scandal brewing, according to the Sunday World anyway. I was speaking to Cathy Katapodis, the ex-news um, oh, yeah. editor at 702 Talk Radio, and she was telling me that Gwede Mantashe and Tito Mbueni are in a love, a love triangle. I love that word. I love that phrase or the love triangle with a woman in her early twenties. And she came up with all, all sorts of details. I mean, Gwede Mantashe was called the tiger. Uh, Tito Mbueni was the controlling man. But it's just the last thing you need ahead of the MTBPS, isn't it? <laughs> 
Scandals everywhere. At uh, every level of our society. Uh, well, well, well yeah, t- t- I hope it doesn't break before Wednesday. We've got the midterm. It's broken. It's, it's, it was in the sun- uh, it, it was in the Sunday world. Oh. Yeah, they've, apparently they're both um, in, in, in a love tussle with this uh, young twenty-year-old. It's, it's very interesting. Let's go back to the JSC today. Let's go to more politics now. We've spoken a little bit about Donald Trump. We've spoken about the board at Sassel and the non-executives as well. But let's talk about Brexit because Boris Johnson said he'd rather be dead in a ditch than request an extension to Brexit and of course he's requested an extension to Mm. Brexit and it's now been ratified by the European European Union and it's now January the 31st so I can't see him dead in a ditch but certainly he's made a fool of himself again and everybody forgives him and think life carries on I don't (laughs) you don't forgive him I don't forgive him what what I'm trying to say is that uh, the rest of the UK or Parliament forgives him and we carry on. Mm. So what's the next move in, in, in the uh, process? Are they going to have a general election before the 31st or does this go beyond the 31st of uh, January now? I think they're voting now, know. actually. I think they're voting now. Let me have a look at election vote while you, uh, while you go on. What else is happening in the market today, David? Anything you're seeing? Oh, plenty. I, I, I think the big story is, uh, oh, yeah, Johnson pushes for December 12 election. Yes. It's just come through on the headlines now. So he's pushing for it. Is this what they're going to vote on now? I don't know if that's what you're going yes, to look that's up. Yeah, he, was, he was talking about that a couple of days ago, but now he's, he's uh, I think the MPs are to vote on this in the next, I think in the next few minutes, actually. Uh, but anyway, uh, but uh, it'll be very interesting. I, th- I think the big story is that the S&P is at an all-time high now. That's the U.S. market. Yes. Uh, it's at an inter- intraday high as well. So they're closing high. Was call, was in late July at about 3.025. We're well above that now. We were 3.042. Wow. But if you take an intraday high, in other words, we even at a new high there, because sometimes markets rush up and then close a little down. Uh, so we're at all-time highs. And Fantastic. it's difficult to forecast or predict thinking about where we were uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, in the kind of climate that we found where there was – Trump was fighting with the Chinese. There were the impeachment issues. Brexit was uncertain as it is now. Uh, there were Hong Kong was flaring up. There were so many uncertainties. So it's a little peculiar to find that uh, we're in these very high areas. And, um, you know, corporate results are decent. They're not spectacular. In many cases, they're down on where we were last year, but maybe perhaps a, a little steadier than we thought. But um, there does seem to be uh, buying of, um, you know, certainly buying of equities. And, and um, Lindsay, I would only say this is against the fact that we're going to see further rate cuts in the U.S. and we're in a very low interest rate environment, which obviously makes um, makes equities, you know, more attractive, a lot more attractive. But uh, it, it, it's, it's quite peculiar because along the way we've been all over the place. You know, no one no one would have forecast this with any degree of certainty. So I'm happy we're there, but uh, I'm just hoping we can hold. Yes, I hope so too. And uh, I just wonder what the spur was. Was it uh, uh, corporate results out of uh, S&P listed companies or was it the fact that there's this feel-good feeling uh, because of the head of, as Jim Jeffries, the Australian comedian would say, is uh, the ISIS uh, chap, al-Baghdadi, has been taken out in the last 24 hours. Do you think that bolsters... Trump's 2020 re-election campaign? I, I don't think so. He was booed in Washington. I don't know. That, yeah, uh, he made an appearance. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, I don't I don't think he's Mr. Popular. And people are now talking, quite honestly, they're beginning to discuss Elizabeth Warren, uh, what would happen if she was head, would uh, would the uh, Republicans still hold the Senate? And there's all kinds of other issues. He's been under Trump's been under a bit of pressure with with uh, impeachment, but I still think he's probably favoured to take uh, the election. Yeah. But I think it's more to do with trade wars. I think may maybe that they're going to sign this first this phase one deal, and that will relieve some pressure. But I'm not sure. Um, I think most of it is. I you know we're in a low growth, low inflation, low interest rate environment. So if you can produce a decent set of results. I think, uh, and give a decent dividend yield, I think it, it becomes more attractive than, than looking for yield in fixed interest investments and that. So I think that's one of the biggest driver is the fact that there are, you know, um, it's very difficult to find yield, um, outside of equities. But who does? Yeah. Um, but yeah, looking at, you know, looking at the, at the U.S. markets, it's tech stocks that obviously take the lead in these kind of markets. Uh, very strong there, and um, and you know we've got also Europe up quite nicely. So and that that's followed through here. So the sentiment uh, is catchy, and uh, you know we're having a pretty decent day on on the JSE you know, as well with with a decent spread of um, you know decent spread of gains. Of course, what happens when when everything else goes up, gold goes down, and and vice versa. So gold shares under a bit of pressure mainly as gold price comes down and uh, people look for more risky investments. Okay. I hate that risk on, I hate that expression, risk on. Risk on, risk off, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> anyway. What does that mean? <laughs> risk on, risk on. Do you think this might be sort of a blow-off mm. uh, no, to know. the upside, or do you think this is just <laughs> the continuation of something that's been in place now for just over ten and a half years? And, and never forget that. We've been in the yeah. bull market for ten and a half years. Extraordinary. It is. We just grind our way up. You know, so um, if you've if you've been willing to take the uh, path, you know you've done pretty well. You're doing okay, uh, and I think it's nothing more than the the consequence of very very low interest rates. And I think everybody wishes we could get out of that, and that you can go to a more normal situation where uh, inflation rears its head. And I, I've got no answer for all of these, so don't ask me. Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation why inflation is never taken off and I don't even think the, the Federal Reserve or any central bankers or economists can actually explain it. They can come up with some kind of theories but I don't think um, you know, I, th- I think they're guessing but it's nothing more than people feel more comfortable in some of these businesses and of course these businesses thrive where they don't have to pay, if they borrow money they, they don't have to pay any interest so there's no punishment on their balance sheet if they, if they go into debt so it's, 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 you know, I just go for the ride. I like it and uh, I like what I see. And I say I'm 100% equities for that reason because there's absolutely no incentive for me to go into a fixed interest investment that's giving me no return. You know, it gives me, and in fact, I, have, I might even have to pay in certain circumstances. Yeah, if you're an Austrian bondholder or a Swedish <laughs> bondholder or a German bondholder of a two-year mm-hmm. note or something, yes, yeah, of course, you have to pay mm-hmm. the bank to actually take your money. It's, just, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no. It's like having well, a storage they, they, they facility. Say, yeah, but, but Lindsay, if you think through it, what is it saying? It's just saying that those people believe that their money's safer in the bank, even if they have to pay for it, rather than put it elsewhere where they could lose money because of a recession or because of, of some other fallout. So they're only doing it because they're absolutely 
bang, you know, dead scared of, of losing it. Why would you put your money at a zero interest rate if, if, if you weren't absolutely petrified that it was going to lose its value or, uh, you know, or, or, or some other factor would happen that, that would cause, uh, its depreciation decay. So, so, so this is the opposite. I, you know, I'm on the opposite side of that. I'm saying, what the hell? I like these businesses. Microsoft gets a two billion, I mean, a 10 billion deal with, uh, with the Pentagon for cloud. <laughs> LVMH is taking a bid, making a bid for uh, Tiffany's at about $12 billion or whatever it is, so on. So <laughs> there's plenty of action out there. And you can finance these at zero interest. <laughs> Why did I see something mm-hmm. today that I thought might be uh, the signal that it was the end of the market? Something listing or something. I can't quite remember what it is. Something happened today. And I thought, I'm going to talk to uh, David Shapiro about this. Like, for the life of me, I can't believe, I can't remember what it is. But anyway, I'll, I'll come to it in a moment. David, a great sporting weekend that yeah. we just had. Rugby, first of all. Yeah, you're more of a cricket and a football fan than a rugby fan. I, but yeah. we can't ignore this, this game, savage as it I is. I wanted to play, yeah. I, you know, when I was seven, eight years old, I used to, I used to go watch rugby. I watched the, the Lions when they toured here in 1955. I loved rugby. I wanted to be a scrum half, but... I haven't got the build for it anymore, you know. I, I'm like a twig, so I had to switch to soccer. And and I must admit, when I, when I watch rugby, I used to wa- love rugby, you know. But I mean, I love the open play. But today, it's so professional and so orchestrated, you know. And to be honest, uh, um, I know it can come under criticism, but it's just two brawny sides having a go at each other, you know banging into each other, and I say, I just wish that ball would come out, you know, I don't care about the result, you want to be entertained, and you want to see great moves, you know, I, in, in soccer, I love, there's nothing that I love more than, than uh, a, 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 in a shot from outside the area, hitting the top, you know, in the top corner, or something like that, or messy scoring goals, that's what gives me the thrill, and there's nothing that I like more in rugby, as someone, you know, running 50 yards, dodging, and Going 50 meters, whatever it is, and you know, scoring under the post or in the corner. We don't see that. We just see brawn, you know, just bashing over the line, you know, bashing. Phase 10, phase 11, phase 12. For God's sake, when you get the ball out. (laughs) So, uh, I'll come under criticism for by from the Bri, the Beer and Bri Brigade, but still, uh, you know. You've got to have a lot of patience to sit through this. Who's going to Maybe win next that's week? Why you drink beer. Who's going to win next I, week? I don't know. It's Eddie Jones, hey? He's smart. He really is. And He's that whole smart, business with the, the way they confronted mm. the hacker with that V-shaped mm. formation, mm. it completely discombobulated the All Blacks. Mm. They didn't mm. know what was going mm. on. There's something in their minds, and then England just smashed them. I mean, they were lucky I to know. get seven points, actually. It should have been mm. about uh, – England had two tries disallowed. It should have been maybe 27, 28 nil. Yeah, they 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 were very smart. They were very well prepared, and uh, I I think it highlights the the benefit of a good coach. You know, you can't take anything away from him. I mean, what he did with Japan against the South Africans, the Springboks, what's it? You know, uh, um, four years ago. Yes. Uh, these kind of moves. You know, he's a very smart man, and he plays to a game plan. He he can detect where the weaknesses are, and I think South African rugby is pretty straightforward. Um, so let's see. South Africa can win. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. They've got, you know, they've got the fitness and they've got the, the strength, but, uh, um, you just want to see a decent game. You know, you just want to see, you want to have fun, man. 
Yeah, you're quite right. It should be fun. Hate penalties. Yeah. I hate penalties. You know, you, you kind of trick somebody into giving you a penalty. Get the, you all cheer. Why? Because you can kick the ball through the, through the post. You know. That's only that's only desperation in 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 uh, UK fo- American football, you know, where they have a kick at it. Uh, the idea is to get over the blooming you know, opposing line. You don't play for a for a kick at goal. Do you remember Nasputo actually did it? It had a yeah. little bit of a stint there, and it didn't work out. Yeah, no, no, no. But he did teach them the side. In fact, I don't know. I think it was, I'm trying to remember the first chap who actually used the round kick. You know, we used to kick with our toes in the olden days. Uh, got great memories of Van der missing to, he would have put the Springboks up, uh, 23-22 against the, uh, the Lions in 55. Van der mm-hmm. missed that kick. I still have uh, nightmares about it. I was there at Ellis Park. Yeah. And uh, when he missed the, yeah, <laughs> it was a great, <laughs> I remember that. But there they kicked with their toes, you know. Now it's, uh, you know, the, the, the common kick is this roundhouse kick and that, which is introduced by South African rugby and used in, uh, you know, American football. David, let's talk about football now, real football, because uh, Arsenal drew 2-2 with Crystal Palace, having been 2-0 up in nine minutes, uh, naivety in the extreme, and they were lucky not to lose. Uh, Liverpool were lucky to beat Spurs uh, 2-1, and so we go on. And I, I haven't been enamoured by the soccer. I think I think Man City's still playing the best soccer. I do. I, yeah. I think so. Liverpool are grinding it out, and everybody's getting carried away. But uh, they, yeah, they had they had moments, but uh, couldn't convert. It's still I don't know. Spurs were such rubbish. That's why they managed to. You know, Liverpool managed to come back. And there's always a dodgy penalty here and there. You know, there's VAR. I don't know. Manchester United. Uh, Manchester United missed two penalties, talking about penalties. But I just want to go back to Arsenal, because that's your team. It says, as captain's performances go, it probably wasn't the one Arsenal manager Unal Emery was looking for when he appointed Grant Xhaka skipper of the Gunners in September. Having squandered a two-goal lead to Crystal Palace in a Premier League game on Sunday, this is according to CNN, uh, Swiss international, uh, the Swiss international captain was substituted by the yeah. manager in the 61st minute as Arsenal searched for a third goal. He was yeah. greeted by ironic cheers, but as the 27-year-old ambled to the side of the pitch, boos began to ring out mm-hmm. around the mm-hmm. stadium. And then he didn't cover his mouth, which is what players do these days because there are uh, lip readers yeah. uh, working out what mm-hmm. they're saying. He launched a foul yeah. mouth tirade against the Arsenal fans. Yeah. How can he carry on as the captain? He can't. He, he won't. He took off his jersey mm-hmm. and went down the tunnel. He refused to shake uh, Una Emery's hand and I would also do that but I mean um, he yeah it wasn't a thrilling performance but why the fans booed is that when you tune all up that's where the captains take over mm. you know and he just uh, it was a very sloppy performance by by Arsenal and particularly by the defence and the captains are there to captain captain the team and I think it's just a team without any kind of uh, just there's no nothing binding them. You can see that this is not a, a team that likes each other. And to be honest, I'm an Ozil fan. I think that he's got wonderful skill. People always blame him for everything, but he's the kind of person you need in a situation who can actually find a hole in the defence, which none of the other youngsters or none of the other people who are there. 
So I just, I just think Arsenal, I think, you know, you just won Wenger back and you know how bad Wenger was towards the latter part. <laughs> I never heard, I thought I'd hear you say that. Uh, David Shapiro, thank you so much for your time. David Shapiro is the Deputy Chairman of Sassman Securities and that was Shapiro World. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.